Thank you for downloading this episode of the 155 Podcast, the public records interview series of all candidates in Hamilton's 2018 municipal election. For more election coverage, visit thepublicrecord.ca where you can sign up for our City Hall newsletter. Episode 56, John McEtitian, running for City Councilor in Ward 13. Recorded on September 13th, 2018. John McEtitian, you're running for city councilor in Ward 13. Welcome to the Public Records of the 155 podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Firstly, tell us, who is John McEtitian? Well, that's a, a great question. Usually uh, people get asked to recite their, their historical biography of professions and committees and things they've sat on, and I'll get to that in a second. But who I've been from the really the first uh, time I in, in memory sentient as being a person who's been raised and been involved in giving back to the community, in contributing, in making things better than I found them. So I did that at an early age in high school and went on to do that in the university and every organization that I've been involved with. More professionally standing, I'm a public opinion researcher. I'm recognized as one of Canada's most accurate pollsters. And that's uh, an interesting thing to be able to say, uh, given that that profession increasingly we have elections where people go, well, wait a minute, those polls were completely wrong, to which, you know, my usual response when I get asked about that is, well, yes, that they either have faulty methodology or, you know, you should have hired me and then you would have got a better result uh, that would have reflected reality. I also wear a hat as a political consultant, and many people call themselves that, you'll see from time to time, and that's almost like consultant in general, it doesn't really mean anything. But for me, I've played at a variety of roles on a variety of campaigns from coast to coast to coast, and I've been involved in electing mayors, premiers, prime ministers, party leaders, councillors. At, at all levels of government, I've been one of the people behind the scenes making things happen. And I'm also a political activist. You know, within uh, my political party, uh, my home, I'm very proud of one of my earliest things that I contributed to was uh, rebirthing a party that almost died and creating something called the one-member, one-vote system, for example, that created a way to elect a leader, which took it away from a cabal of backroom people and gave it to the party membership at large. And that system, in one form or another, has gone on to be adopted by all Canada's political parties. And you may have gotten from the things I just mentioned that I'm kind of a believer in democracy. I also keep my optimism. Joey, we talked uh, before we uh, went live about training young people. Young people are a phenomenal place of being optimistic. If you ever get uh, down and frustrated with society, people should go find a youth group to go be involved with or mentor, and you'll find your optimism uh, come back a hundredfold. And then the last and more recent thing is, over the years, I've been on Steve Pakin's show on The Agenda on TV Ontario, and that's kind of bizarrely blossomed into, in the last year, in a really large way, with many more outlets. So I've been in the past uh, 900 uh, CHML here in Hamilton, but uh, more recently Zoomer Radio. And I filled in for a friend who went on maternity leave a year and a half ago on the Hamilton's Cable 14, The Opinionators. And I've stayed on there as a political commentator, not representing a political party. That's not the thing I do when I do the media opportunities. I'm called upon as an expert who knows something about politics to give an honest assessment and tell it like it is and not uh, simply use any party spin points. I've proudly never been that person, and I have no interest in uh, carrying somebody else's spin, or as I like to say, just a bag of lies. Why are you running? So a bit of background, and then the fundamental reasons that brought me in. 
really holistically to protect the community where I live and make it better. We take things for granted. And, you know, Canadians were very lucky and we don't, I think for the most part, as, as much as it's true that we're nice, we're nice and we're polite and we're apologetic, but we also take our fundamental society for granted. And if you look around the world, our world is way more tenuous and fragile than you might think. And, you know, I'll go back to an often uh, quoted line from the 60s. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So the right circumstances align to get me into this race. And frankly, I believe we're falling behind. And I think we need better local leadership and a voice. And I have a voice that can be heard. By that, I mean I'm passionate. Anybody can talk to me about and have any opinion. And I have time and space for them. And I'm open to being convinced, and I'm open to sharing my views and hearing theirs. And at the end, I can have an opinion. I don't, I've never been accused of sitting on the fence and avoiding a decision. And in this local circumstance in 2018, what we're looking at, you know, sort of three things were the catalyst for me. The situation with the LRT, the amalgamation of Flamborough and Dundas, which doesn't serve either municipality or community properly. And frankly, the performance of our local incumbent, Arlene, who has, I'm going to be kind and say, underperformed what I think the measure should be for any councillor. How have you contributed to your community and our city? Well, a variety of ways. Again, as I mentioned, I've been involved in the democratic process ever since high school. So wherever I've been, I've tried to be an active part of the community, high school, Sea Cadets in Dundas, McMaster University, the Student Representative Assembly, you know, the Dundas JCs, which doesn't exist anymore, but for those of you who don't know, the JCs are a great organization for training young professionals, otherwise known as the Junior Chamber of Commerce. Whatever the organization that I've been involved in, I've kind of tried to make a positive impact, I guess most recently locally, because I don't want to use up the entire... Uh, interview time on my biography. You know, most recently I've uh, helped out the last few years with the uh, Festival of Friends and been on their uh, board of directors. Fundamental things that define who I am and give me my experience, uh, they're fundamental like most people, you know, a son, a brother, a father. My success professionally gave me the opportunity to be involved in politics at the provincial and federal levels where the policies there that I've had the opportunity to implement through either research or helping to elect decision makers have affected everyone in my community and everyone in the city. So, for example, nobody who's under a certain age, certainly no one who's in high school today, is going to go to grade 13. That subtle little difference of I've given everybody, you know, I was very involved in the decision that gave everybody a year of their lives back because we were the only jurisdiction in the world that had five years of high school. And a lot of lamenting and wailing and complaining about it. But uh, almost 20 years later, nobody, and certainly there was another long-serving government that had an opportunity to put it back, and they never did. A couple other little things that I've involved with that uh, I'll always remember and cherish moments. The election of the first woman prime minister in Canada is something that's hard as a man to understand. And I think for the average listener, Barack Obama would have been the easier thing to understand. But when I came back from working on Kim Campbell's leadership campaign, so, and I'll make it clear, I was involved in her leadership campaign and not the general election. Kim was a symbol, the first woman ever. 
And my daughter was very young at the time, and she said to me, Dad, a woman could be prime minister? And, and I couldn't conceptualize that that would even be a question. And I got the value and the contribution that I had just been part of creating for an entire gender, now 52% of our population, a role model that that barrier was broken. And, you know, seen it more recently with the premier here in Ontario and premiers across the country, where I don't think that exists for anybody, but I was there for the first one and there hasn't been a second in Canada yet, but that was very impactful for me and something that I think touches every woman in Canada. And then the other one would be uh, our society was not always as open as it is. And certainly Hamilton has some interesting jaded chapters in its history. But one of the things that I was very involved with uh, when I was much younger was the election of the first party leader of Jewish heritage, which at the time was not something that was universally agreed upon and was an issue. And it's something, uh, again, that I'm very proud of. What are your two priorities for Ward 13 and two priorities for Hamilton as a whole? Okay, Joey, so I actually have a problem with your question, and uh, I totally get where you're coming from, and I understand that journalists, in an effort to try to present candidates and the choices in an election to viewers or listeners, try to do that. And, you know, we could sit here and talk about the 100 issues that are facing Hamilton today, but the reality is, for each single person, their issue, whatever it is, when I'm knocking on the doors... I don't care what my issues are. I want to know. I ask them, tell me, what's the most important issue for you? What are you going to be deciding? And I'll tell you, I'm having conversations with people when they say, I care this way about X issue. And I say to them, well, then I'm not the candidate for you. Actually, I know someone who is, and that's who it is. Because I have a lot of respect for people who disagree with me. And I have very little respect for people who like to either sit on the fence or play games with voters. But to get to the core of your question, for me, if I'm going to be kind of have my arm twisted by you on this, my for the city, I would say better representation and respect for citizens. And by that, I mean as something as simple as Hamilton has a policy. Now, I read this last week where if you damage your car because of a city pothole and it is the city's fault and the city believes that if you go to small claims court and sue them, you have a better than 50% chance of winning, they will offer you 50%. And I think that's just offensive. If the city's responsible for damages, I mean, first, we all want the roads fixed, but, you know, reality's going to happen. There's going to be potholes. But then the city ought to say, we are sorry that we are responsible for damaging your car, and here's 100% of what we owe you, and we are sorry for the inconvenience. So I think that, that respect for citizens is huge. The second thing is, very basic fiscal responsibilities. We need, you know, our budget. Do we have really have a true budget? We have a tax increase every time they get that opportunity, but there's this huge backlog of infrastructure, this huge deficit of what's not being done. So the budget that's being presented to us and the tax increases being presented to us is actually mythical because we're not talking about the real impact of the infrastructure deficit and how that's not being taken care of. Now, on the ward level, I would say it's really clear and simple. The first one is the city is responsible for a set list of services that it is not currently providing to its full ability and providing services that are needed to communities that they're paying for them is my first issue. 
whatever it is, and that falls into a variety of different subsections. The second one would be restoring the boundaries of the old wards with the gerrymandering that went on first by council, then by OMB. At the end of the day, when Hamilton was united with the outlying municipalities, there was a deal made that the old municipalities of Flamborough, Dundas, etc., would all be respected and keep their local representative until such time as those areas grew to have the population base. And in this last go-round, maybe it's because it was 20 years ago and people forgot history and forgot the deal, but like the British North America Act, where we treat Prince Edward Island like a full province with only 100,000 people, and they only have 25,000 people representing their federal electoral districts, I'm pretty passionate about keeping the deal so that Dundas and Flamborough, et cetera, should be respected according to the original deal. What are three skills that you will bring to elected office that make you the best choice to represent Hamiltonians? Well, again, I have so many. I'm, I'm shocked that you're limiting me to three, but I get what you're trying to do. So really off the top of my head, let me go with creative thinking. I have been known and uh, throughout my professional life been given projects or tasks to find a solution when other people couldn't. So that out-of-the-box thinking. Second, a fundamental respect for citizens that I do not see, and I won't point fingers to individuals on council, but certainly Hamilton City Council and the Hamilton infrastructure is not known, has gotten no awards for respect for the citizenry. And then third would be my ability to listen to widely different views and work to a solution, even though we've become so siloed and so caught up in society of only listening to people who agree with us. The merger of Dundas, Greensville, and Western Flamborough, Flamborough itself a product of a 1972 amalgamation, into the new Ward 13 creates a new community. How will you bring these communities together in common cause as their elected leader? Okay, so I'm going to go back, (laughs) Joey, with uh, that's a wonderful false premise, and there's a problem with your question. Just because two areas that are unique and distinct are gerrymandered for political purposes into a new entity, into an arbitrary thing called Ward 13. I can tell you, honestly, you can knock on a thousand doors and say to people, do you identify as Ward 13? You won't find five people that say, yes, I'm a Ward 13 person. But that being said, I get the heart of where you're trying to go with the question. And I think that's by not treating them either as separate communities but looking at them as people, right? So there's no political entity. Dundas does not call City Hall. Flamborough doesn't call. Rockton doesn't call City Hall. Joe, Barb, Sue, individuals call their counselor and say, I either have a problem I need your help with, or I don't understand what you idiots are doing. Explain it to me before I rip your face off. So I prefer the politer phone calls to be the recipient of that. But Everybody who calls should be treated equally, regardless of where they live or where they come from. And, you know, I'm kind of proud. I was trained, you know, we moved into Dundas for grade five. And that was because my family had already been in the hospitality industry at the, you know, they used to own the Golden Valley Inn and in in the back, the Owl's Roost, they would have country and Western bands for over 33 years. So that was a very thriving business for a lot of years. And it wasn't just Dundas. It wasn't downtown Dundas. That was Flamborough and Waterdown, Stony Creek and the Mountain and Cambridge and Burlington. 
people came from miles and miles away because country and Western music was a thing that wasn't as popular as it is today. Uh, you know, a week after we have the uh, CMA Awards in, uh, in Hamilton, the reality is I grew up treating people equally and being hospitable to everybody. And that's what you do. You just, you try to, you know, so if you take that to the municipal government level, you treat everybody as individuals and you help them with their problems. Hamilton zoning regulations prevent the building of multi-unit clustered housing, which is in scale with existing single-family housing, commonly referred to as the missing middle. There are approximately 100,000 Hamiltonians in their 20s and approximately 140,000 Hamiltonians over the age of 65. The missing middle is medium-density, transit-connected housing in walkable communities, is important to young renters, first-time owners, and critical for seniors seeking to successfully age in place in the communities they've lived for decades. As a member of City Council, you will need to address housing challenges in Hamilton. You will face opposition to infill development and provincially mandated intensification. How will you respond to concerns about development, and where do you believe mid-density growth should occur in your ward? All right, so I actually believe the number one issue, especially for an established community like Dundas and Flamborough has, uh, we'll have to wait and see what the provincial government decides, whether or not we can start throwing new subdivisions in throughout Flamborough or whether the, the farmland up there is going to be protected. So it's, uh, it's an open question. But planning is the number one issue I see it. I think it takes up uh, 50% of the, the time of a councillor. And I'm going to veer a little bit from your direct question, as fascinating as I'm sure everybody listening found it. We have a problem that's not just with millennials, not with the missing middle. Almost every day there's a story about, you know, today's Spectator had an article about the people most in need in our community for housing, that the waiting list has now gone over 6,000 people. That's outrageous. And that shouldn't be allowed to happen. We know from the latest demographic information, The Spectator ran a wonderful series talking about how Hamilton is graying and aging and getting older and the housing for what that means. We're not ready for that. So I'm going to suggest that your uh, question really is the tip of the iceberg of a massive set of problems around development, redevelopment, intensification, and there needs to be a much more holistic approach taken on this. And then I, if I can, I'm going to give you two quick examples that I think get to the heart of uh, what you've asked. And, and I could give you glib answers like, you know, the counselor is part of a team with staff and you get significant input from developers and residents. And no development happens without the full and robust involvement of the community. And I would be a strong voice for my residents in this process. And while I agree with the last part, I will be a strong voice. I'll give you two specific examples. In Dundas, there's a, a business that uh, it's like our version of Whole Foods. And it's been there, it may have been existed before Whole Foods. But they decided after years that they realized that above the first floor, which is the retail store, that they had storage space that would be better put to use for them as, a, as an income property to be turned into accommodation, turned into apartments. And they ran into the biggest set of roadblocks because of red tape and little things that, you know, here's a crazy one, an environmental assessment. So they didn't have to have an environmental assessment with a food store on the first floor, but by putting people on the second floor, the property now had to go through an environmental assessment. Well, how helpful versus a hindrance was the city in something like that? 
And here's where we get to a real specific point. Parking was one of their biggest issues because the land is set. There's no ability to buy another piece of land and create parking spaces. But isn't that exactly the kind of development we want, that the parking should be waived instantly because it's on King Street in Dundas, there's a bus outside the door, and if anybody wants to rent one of those units and have a car, then they could pay for street parking or park three blocks away in a community where there's an abundance of free parking in Dundas. So the regimented part of our development department, I think, is something to be looked at. A edit note. Mr. McEtishan gave another part to the last question. It has been cut with his agreement due to time constraints in the interview and podcast. What is something interesting or unique about Ward 13 that you believe the rest of Hamilton should know? There are many things I could list, Joey, and, and I know you would cut me off if I did that. So let me go with what I think is the most important thing to know for Hamilton about Dundas, especially if you haven't been there. And that is, it's the friendliness of the people in Flamborough and Dundas, where people who walk the street say hello to strangers with a smile. This is very different experience compared to other parts of Hamilton, especially parts of downtown Hamilton. That sense of community, that sense of belonging, that friendliness, that's throughout. And, and if I'm going to say there's one thing in common, you asked earlier question about similarities between Flamborough and Dundas. That sense of friendliness and hospitality, that is throughout the entire new ward. What are two changes you will propose to improve city services? Uh, so many changes, so little options from you, Joey. I would say, you know, I, I am new to this. I've always uh, trusted my elected representatives to do a good job, and this is the first time I'm putting myself in a position of uh, going beyond that. So I, I don't pretend to have all the answers and know all the things, but I do have a research background, and I'd actually like to start with a new customer satisfaction study to see how Hamilton is perceived in providing services to our residents and our taxpayers so that we could find out from them both how we're doing and what their priorities are, what they think their tax money should be spent on. And then the second thing, a code of customer or citizen's rights, if you will. We need to consult through a survey to see what are the expectations, then as a council, decide how we can improve and then do it and get it all done in the next four years, not play the game like some other political entities where they announce something and then they roll it through a second or a third term. What are two changes you will propose to improve quality of life in Hamilton? I think we really need to be basic on this one. And it's, again, without getting into specifics, and, and I know time is short, but it's fundamental. Caring about people, about each other. We need to have that conversation. What does that actually look like? We need to stop acting as both, uh, as a city, as both a victim of other levels of government and decide what we want Hamilton to be and how we can do that. Are we just to become a bedroom community to Toronto, unaffordable to everyone except those fleeing the 416? Hamilton City Council decided against ranked balloting. Ranked balloting enables voters to choose by prioritizing candidates they feel qualified for public office and best able to represent them. What is your position on ranked ballots? I think there's only one municipality of the 444 in Ontario that have uh, the opportunity to adopt it. 
I have one of my friends running in London where that is the case, and it'll be interesting to see. For me, as a political scientist, someone with a little bit of experience in politics, I believe it's a failed idea that does not do what it intends to do or purports to do. How will you improve civic governance and engagement during the next four years? Well, for starters, I will attend meetings, not like the current incumbent, who it's very sad to see again, as reported in The Spectator, had one of the lowest attendance record for council meetings. I would be accessible and reach out more than any of my predecessors using all the various means of consultation possible. Representing my community is what I want to do, not act like I know better than the voters what is best for them. That sense of entitlement and I know smart, I'm smarter and better than you is something that I find the most offensive in certain elected officials. How will the City of Hamilton's strategic plan guide your decision-making in hiring a new city manager, and what qualities do you seek in a new city manager? We need the right person for the job, the most qualified that fits Hamilton's needs and vision. Politics is the art of allocating limited resources and compromising to find solutions. How will you do so? Well, I think I've already touched on that, and hats off to you. I mean, this is always the case. And I'll start by trying to have people become more responsible to minimize waste and consult broadly to have citizens weigh in much more on where they want their money spent and what their priorities are. It's 2022. The public record is writing a review of the four-year council term that is just ending. What three words do you hope we will use to describe your term on council? And what three words do you hope will describe council as a whole? For myself, compassionate, representative, effective. For the city council as a whole, energized, responsible leadership. Thank you. That's the end of the prepared questions you were sent in advance. Do you have any closing remarks that you wish to share? Just a parting thought. Dundas and Flamborough can do better and are in danger of falling either behind or a death of a thousand cuts by city decisions where the new ward's collective voice is not heard. At our first debate on Cable 14, Arlene talked about how she isn't listened to by the other councillors. That was shocking to me, and perhaps that's due to the scandal she has had or her way of treating people. It's not for me to say, but what I can offer is someone who will be available, caring, effective, and creative in solving the challenges the city faces and would be remembered for telling it as it is and effectively representing the people. Thank you for joining us today. I want to thank the co-workers in my co-working space, The Seedworks, who had me, had me here in the middle of the lounge recording and have always been very supportive of all my work. Thank you again for listening. This has been Episode 56 of The Public Record's The 155 Podcast. The Public Record is Hamilton's local, independent, reader-funded news outlet. This podcast is made possible by members of the Public Records Press Club. Visit thepublicrecord.ca to learn more and listen to all episodes of the 155 podcast. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed. The Public Record is a member of the National News Media Council, a voluntary self-regulatory organization that deals with journalistic practices and ethical behavior. To learn more about the Media Council, visit the Media Council at mediacouncil.ca. Thank you for listening. See you at the polls on October 22nd.